This morning, Untying What's Tying You Up. Uh, we're continuing in that series, uh, Untying What's Tying You Up. It's based on a scripture found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 1. And if you can, can we all say this together? And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And especially that middle phrase, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You know, there's no shortage of sins and worldly things that can hinder us and easily entangle us. And it's easy to get all bound up and wound up with all kinds of hindrances and things that get in the way of our relationship and walk with Jesus. And, you know, sometimes it may seem like just when you've untangled yourself from one thing, there's another thing trying to tie you up. And I like what the writer of the book of Hebrews tells Jesus' followers to do when that happens. He says, run with perseverance. Keep on going. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't grow weary, but persevere. Like when a runner hits the wall, and they, but they keep on going until they get their second wind. Keep persevering. Keep throwing off the sins and hindrances that easily beset us. Because in the end... It's going to be worth it. In the end, we'll stand before Jesus and hear him say to us, Well done, you good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And in the end, if we persevere, we will spend eternity with Jesus. And I know that the last couple of weeks, many of you have been doing just that. You've been throwing off worry and, and you've been holding on to the things that God uh, has given you with an open hand towards him so as to avoid destructive jealousies, right? Well, so run with perseverance. And this morning, we want to look at another knot that can tie you up and hinder you in wa your walk with Jesus if you're not careful. It's the knot of anger. Anger is one of those sins that can easily beset us. Now, anger, it's different. It's a little different than worry and jealousy. Anger is, for the most part, apparent to other people. Now, if you're a jealous person, you might be able to hide that for a while. You know, it'll manifest itself outwardly eventually, but you can keep it hidden for a while. And if you're a worried person, you can keep that hidden for a little bit, uh, for a little bit of time. But, but anger tends to express itself openly in a way that everybody sees it. And if you're an angry person, the odds are that everybody around you knows it. And the problem is that anger can be a little bit deceptive. It's that little voice that, that keeps telling you that you will feel better if you just blow up. If you just spout off at someone, everything will be better. If you just lash out at someone or hurt someone's feelings or break a wall, you'll feel better. But the truth is, anger raises your blood pressure. It raises your pulse. It damages your, your relationships. It undermines the trust that you have with other people. It doesn't really make anything better. Now, probably all of us have been angry at some point or another. It would be a, an exceedingly rare person who's never been angry. As a matter of fact, if you're here today and you would say to me, you know, Pastor Paul, you know, I've never been angry in my life. This really doesn't apply to me. Well, just hold on then because there's probably a sermon on honesty coming <laughs> soon, and that'll, that will be just for you. 
Anger. It's something that all of us have to deal with from time to time. And if you let anger, anger rule your heart, it will hinder your relationship with Jesus and will damage your relationships with the people that God has placed in your life. Anger will tie you up in a knot. If you let it, it will make you its slave. It will so bind you up that you lose control of your emotions and then your words and then your relationships. So this morning, we're going to look at several kinds of anger. The Bible describes at least four kinds of anger, and it tells us what to do with each one so that instead of being bound up and wound up, we can untie the knot of anger and have our hearts ruled by the Holy Spirit of God. So let us begin to look at each kind of anger that the Bible describes. All right, now the first kind of anger that the Bible describes is what we might call sanctified anger. Some, some people call it righteous indignation. I don't really like that word because most times when people tell me they have righteous indignation, it sounds a lot more like self-righteousness to me. So I, I kind of don't like that word. But So let's call it this morning sanctified anger. It's anger at an unjust situation. It's not really anger at people. It's anger at a condition that should be changed. It's not really anger that you carry around with you all the time. It's anger that, that moves you to a positive action. Now, now, this distinction is important because most of the times I've heard people say they have this kind of anger, it's actually some other kind of more destructive anger. Often, destructive kinds of anger want to masquerade as sanctified anger. This destructive anger wants to justify itself, and so it pretends to be sanctified anger. And when, and when this happens, the result is that other parts of the Bible usually get ignored or disobeyed. Things like uh, when the Bible says to overlook a fault, or when the Bible says that we should forgive somebody. These kind of parts of the Bible get overlooked. So, so I want to look this morning at one example of sanctified anger from the Scriptures so that we can see what it really looks like and what it really does. In Mark chapter 3... There were some people who were following Jesus around simply looking for ways to accuse Jesus. And, and this day was a Sabbath day, and, and there was a man there with a shriveled hand. And, and they were watching Jesus to see if he would heal on the Sabbath because they wanted an occasion to accuse Jesus of doing wrong. Now, this is an unjust situation. It's just not right. And so Jesus had the man stand up in front of everyone, and then he asked them a simple question, which is lawful? on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill. And I believe that Jesus is genuinely trying to reach their hearts. He's saying, you know, look at this man. Do you see his hand? Do you see his need? Do you see his pain? Do you see his situation? What would you have me do? Should I heal him or leave him in this condition? And he's trying to appeal to whatever goodness or compassion might be lying buried deep in their hearts. But it says that they were all silent because they didn't want to look bad, but they still wanted to be able to accuse Jesus. So this is an unjust situation. It's unjust towards Jesus, and it's unjust towards this man with the shriveled hand. And so in verse 5, it says that Jesus looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at the stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Now notice what Jesus did not do. 
Jesus did not lash out at them. He didn't start a fight. He didn't start an argument over the finer points of the law and the traditions of the elders. He did not carry his anger into the next day. And now notice what he did. He channeled his anger into redemptive action. He did something positive. He remedied an injustice. He took action to fix an injustice. He did something that everyone around should have been able to rejoice over. That's what genuine, sanctified anger does. It channels its energy into redemptive action. It wants to see redemption. It wants to see restoration. If it is sanctified anger, it will be channeled into positive action. And there's no shortage of things in our world that need redemptive action. The next kind of anger that we see in the Bible is what we might call sudden anger. In Proverbs 14, 17, it says this, A quick-tempered man does foolish things. A quick-tempered man does foolish things. And just a few verses later, the idea is repeated again in verse 29. One who is quick-tempered displays folly. So this kind of anger, it comes on suddenly. And it's not that you're already seething or upset. As a matter of fact, you may be going along having a great day. But something happens that provokes anger. How many of you have ever had that situation? You're going along great, and then just something happens that just provokes you to anger. Maybe someone does something dangerous on the road. Maybe someone's late. Maybe that's your trigger. Maybe someone insulted you. Maybe you think someone was being stupid. Or maybe someone hit one of your other trigger points. Or maybe there's a thousand other things that could have happened that caused sudden anger. But the important point is that something happens to provoke you to sudden anger. And the Bible warns us in these verses about becoming suddenly angry, about being quick-tempered. It says that we shouldn't be that kind of person. We shouldn't become easily angered. But I have found that usually the easily angered person has a list of legitimate excuses as to why they become so easily angered. And you've probably heard many of them. Maybe you've even used some of them. All right, like, for example, the not-my-fault excuse. Maybe you've heard it. It kind of goes like this. You know, why should I have to control my anger? Other people need to control how they talk to me, and then I won't get angry in the first place. It's not my fault that everyone else on this earth does idiotic things and deserve to be yelled at. The not, the not my fault excuse. And then there's the defense mechanism excuse. It sounds like this. You know, it says, I would be more careful with my anger, but how will I get people to stop doing the things that make me angry? Right now, if someone annoys me, I just scream at them and they go away. I'm like the thorn on a rose bush. It keeps things from destroying the plant. And my anger and threats keep people from continuing to do the things that I don't like. So you see, my anger is really a public service. It's getting people to behave better. The defense mechanism excuse. And then there's the it's my background excuse. You've all heard this one, right? Well, I'm Irish. <laughs> I'm not. I'm French. My wife is Irish. And uh, she doesn't get angry. I, I can say that because... Uh, um, or I'm Italian. Or I'm something else. Right? The, it's my background excuse. 
You're all something else, aren't you? <laughs> or how about the hair color excuse? Like, you see, I have red hair. And so it can't be helped, you see. And I wonder, why do people say such things? You know, it's as if that we think that one day we'll be standing for Jesus and, and he's asking us about our short temper and, and, and we'll point to our hair and say, well, uh, Jesus... Have you forgotten the color of my hair? And Jesus will look and say, oh, right, I forgot you have red hair. That's right, okay, fine, off with you, you're good, right? Or, or we're standing there, and Jesus is asking us about our short temper, and, uh, you know, Gabriel will come up with a clipboard and, and interrupt Jesus. Uh, Jesus, um, uh, it says here he's Irish. And Jesus goes, oh, well, that explains it. All right, well, fine, you're good, off with you, right? And if that sounds silly, if that sounds like nothing you would ever say to Jesus face to face, right, then I encourage you not to say it here, right? Not to use that kind of excuse here, right? If you wouldn't say it to Jesus. I encourage you, don't be a quick-tempered person. Don't be a person who's often uh, overcome with sudden anger. And when you're given to sudden anger, the Bible says that something else happens, Look at the verse again. A quick-tempered man does foolish things. If you are given towards outbursts of sudden anger, you're going to do some foolish things. You are likely going to do some things that you regret, that you need to repent over. Another verse says it this way. A hot-tempered man commits many sins. You'll say things you regret. You'll do things you regret. Proverbs 15, 18 says that a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict. You end up stirring up needless conflict because sudden anger throws angry darts everywhere. How many have ever heard of that silly game, the Angry Birds? <laughs> All right, there it is there. You know, I was really hoping I had ordered something, an Angry Birds costume. I was going to interview an Angry Bird this morning, and it was supposed to come in yesterday, but, it, but, it, but then I got a note yesterday, it's not coming till sometime today. So I didn't have that, and I was going to get a launcher and launch some plush toys at you, but that didn't work out either. So instead we have this, Angry Birds. It's a silly little game, a silly little computer game, that, and these birds are angry, and they're angry at these pigs. And they want revenge on these pigs. And, and so they're fired from a slingshot at these pigs in an attempt to demolish their houses. You know what? That's kind of what sudden anger is like. Something happens, something triggers you, and, and you start firing darts, and it, it stirs up conflict. And, and sometimes, after a while, no one even remembers why everyone is fighting. You just have all this conflict going on. Sudden anger causes conflict. And not only that, it's you reap consequences. Proverbs 19, 19 says, a hot-tempered man must pay the penalty. There are consequences that come your way when you're given to sudden anger. You lose respect. You hurt people. It can result in the loss of family and friends and important relationships at work. Expressing anger is kind of like riding a souped-up sports car with no brakes. You might think it feels good. When you get started, you might think it's exhilarating when you get, uh, you've got anger going on full throttle, but eventually, you're likely to crash. Will Rogers said it this way, whenever you fly into a rage, you seldom make a safe landing. 
It's like flying in an F-16 fighter jet with no landing gear. And as you keep looking at this hot-tempered man in Proverbs, hot-tempered person in Proverbs, the the image that emerges is that this person lacks self-control. And so God's remedy for sudden anger is that you control it. It's more self-control. Now, I've heard some people say things like, you know, Pastor Paul, I just can't control my anger. I just can't control my temper. It gets away from me, and someone says or does something that triggers me, and I, and I just lose it. I can't control it. Yes, you can. With the Spirit's help, you can control it. With the right motivation, you can control sudden anger. How many of you have ever seen somebody who's just really angry, they're ripping someone a new one, maybe they're upset with someone on the job, and they're just ripping somebody out, and, and maybe suddenly they get a phone call, and it's maybe their boss, you know, or maybe uh, a, a sales client that they want to impress, and they're reaming somebody out, and all this stuff's coming out, and all of a sudden it's like, hello? <laughs> yes, well, yeah, I'm doing great. It is a great day, isn't it? And, and, and you're sitting there wondering, What in the world happened? This person was completely out of control, and all of a sudden, just like that, they're completely in control. What happened? Well, what happened is somebody that they wanted to impress came into the room. Someone they wanted to impress came into the conversation. When you want to impress someone, you express self-control. So someone you want to impress walks in the room, someone important is listening, and all of a sudden you have this self-control. Say, can I tell you, Jesus is always in the room. Jesus is always listening. And so if you find yourself all tied up with sudden anger and you you struggle with self-control, could it be that you are not impressed enough with Jesus? I'm just asking. Is it possible that you've forgotten that he is listening? Is it possible that you've forgotten that he is in the room and that he's aware of everything going on? If you struggle with sudden anger, make up your mind that you want to impress Jesus more than anything else. Remember, he's always in the room. Ask him for more of his spirit so that you can express more self-control. And as you do, you'll find that the knot of sudden anger is beginning to loosen. And it will keep loosening until you find that one day you freed yourself entirely from this knot and has been replaced by a fruit of the Spirit called self-control. May God untie the knot of sudden anger. Now, the third type of anger that we find in the Bible is what we might call sinful anger. Not all anger is sinful, as we saw earlier when we talked about sanctified anger, but some anger is sinful anger. Look at Matthew 5, starting at verse 21. And it says this, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, that sounds serious, doesn't it? I mean, this is Jesus saying that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you are in danger of judgment and even the fire of hell. Now, don't get mad at me. I'm just reading it to you. 
But this is serious stuff here. What's going on? Well, let's look at it just a little bit more closely. First, look at the words, is angry. If anyone is angry. These words give us the idea that Jesus is talking about a condition of the heart. This is more than sudden anger that we were just speaking about. This is more than a situation where, you know, something triggered you and uh, you, you had an outburst of anger, which maybe you're sorry for and repented over. You know, it's more than just, you know, a whole bunch of stuff, you know, got laid on you all day long and you were stressed out and, and you had an outburst of sudden anger. This is an is angry type of situation. It describes a situation in which a person is harboring anger. It's an ongoing anger. The idea is an anger that is residing in you, abiding in you. It lives in you. And now look at the words brother or sister. Jesus is talking here about anger that is directed towards a brother or sister. So this anger is not directed at a situation. It's not directed at some uh, injustice. It's directed at a person. So here's what we're talking about when we speak of sinful anger. It's an abiding anger that you hold on to towards another person. You're just angry with someone. You've accepted an anger towards someone as normative in your life. That's just the normal thing. Maybe someone has done something hurtful. Maybe you feel it's justified. Maybe you feel you, you deserve to hold on to this anger. Whatever its cause or origin, it's abiding anger towards another person that you have accepted as part of of your life. That's sinful anger. We're not talking about a situation in which someone is trying to work through forgiveness. I know sometimes there are things that happen that are really bad, and you have to work through that, and with God's help over time, you keep bringing it to him, saying, God, I want to keep laying this down before you and getting rid of this, this anger and, and experiencing forgiveness, and uh, sometimes, you know, it takes some time to work through that. We're not talking about that type of situation. We're talking about a situation in which we have said, you know what, I'm not even trying anymore. I've got this anger. I'm holding on to it, and I'm nursing it, and I'm just going to be angry at someone. And here's what the Bible says about this anger. What the Bible says we need to do about this anger. It says, condemn it. It should be condemned. Actually, it will be condemned one way or the other. If you don't deal with it now... If you leave it until Judgment Day, Jesus says that you are in danger of the fires of hell. So how do you know if you have this sinful anger towards someone? Well, here's some suggestions. If for the last five minutes you've been arguing with God in your mind over someone specific and what they did to you, you may be struggling with sinful anger. If you have someone that you often think about how angry they make you, you may be struggling with sinful anger. If there's someone who, when their name is mentioned, your blood just begins to boil, and, and you'll probably start struggling with sinful anger. And if there's someone who you can't stand to be around and you just try to avoid them as much as possible, you may be battling sinful anger. And if there's someone that you just really like to get back at and get some revenge on, you're probably battling sinful anger. And so what do we do if we discover that we have this type of anger towards someone? Well, the scripture says here that the remedy for sin, sinful anger is that it be condemned. So condemn it now. Condemn it now in yourself. 
before Jesus needs to. Take care of it now before God takes care of it at the judgment. If you see it in yourself, condemn it. Confess it is wrong. Be honest with yourself about how you feel. Be honest with God about what's going on in your heart. Confess it. Repent of it. And then forgive any perceived offense that you have. Forsake it and let it go. And when you do, you'll find that the knot of sinful anger begins to loosen. It begins to untie. And the anger that had you all bound up and wound up begins to loosen its hold on you, and you begin to walk in the freedom of the spirit that God intends for you. Untie the knot of sinful anger. And then the last kind of anger that we'll look at today is what we might call stubborn anger. Stubborn anger is a level beyond sinful anger. It's sinful anger on steroids. It's sinful anger taken to the next level. Stubborn anger makes you an angry person. You may, you may be able to hide sinful anger uh, for a little bit. You know, only you and God may know if you're angry at one specific person. To everyone else, you might seem like a really happy person because sinful anger may only be directed towards one or two people. And to everyone else, you're, you're not expressing anger. But stubborn anger is that anger that everybody knows about. It's that angry person anger. Something in your life, some situation, some bitterness has grown and made you a person who's known as an angry person. That's stubborn anger. It's an anger that is expressed day by day. It's an anger that ignores Ephesians 4.26. It says this, Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Stubborn anger ignores that. Because you see, God wants us to deal with our anger every day. Bring it to him, confess it, repent, forgive us if necessary, and receive forgiveness and grace. But stubborn anger ignores that. It carries one day's anger into the next day, and then into the next week, and then into the next month, until eventually you've got this, this pile of pent-up anger, and everyone sees it, and, and everyone around you experiences it, and it's that anger that has a chip on its shoulder that is waiting for someone to just knock it off. Anger that's looking for a fight. And I want you to look at the results of this kind of anger. In the next verse, do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil a foothold. If you ignore God's instructions here and you carry anger day by day, it's like you're saying, okay, hey, Mr. Devil, come on right in. Come, come, come on right in. Make yourself at home. Make yourself welcome. And let me show you how this works out in practical situations. Stubborn anger at work, something happens, you know, a slight or a wrong, and you're overlooked for a promotion, or someone treats you wrong, and uh, if you don't release it, if you don't deal with it, if you carry it day by day, you develop stubborn anger, and that becomes dysfunctional and destructive, and eventually, you get a reputation as an angry person. Then relationships are broken, trust is broken, leading to more offense and more perceived injustices and more anger, and the devil gets a foothold and has a field day of destruction with stubborn anger. Or at home with children, if you're an angry parent, it's, it's going to cause your relationship with your kids to become dysfunctional, especially as they head towards the teen years. The Bible says, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. But if you carry stubborn anger from one day to the next, if they perceive you as just an angry person all the time, they're going to get exasperated. 
And when they get exasperated, they'll either get rebellious and argumentative, or they just write you off and stop trying, and everything seems to be going in one ear and out the other. But either way, the devil is having a field day because the devil has a foothold because of stubborn anger. Carrying anger from one day to the next gives the devil a foothold. And then at home with your spouse, if you're an angry person, if you carry anger from one day to the next, if you don't let it go but carry your stubborn anger one day to the next and the next, then what happens is that the devil gets a foothold. It's like saying, hey, Mr. Devil, come on right in. Come have a mess with my marriage. Do whatever you want here. You're giving the devil a foothold. And over time, you start to have all this dysfunction in your marriage. And let me uh, show you how this dysfunctional process works, right, with any relationship. It's just a couple of verses later in verse 31. Let's look at it. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. So here's what happens when you carry anger from one day to the next. Here's the process of developing stubborn anger. First, you continually remind yourself of all the bad things your spouse or this other person has done or said, right? Um, that's bitterness. That's developing bitterness. You tell yourself, you know, you deserve better. You remind yourself of how much better you could have. You develop bitterness. And then bitterness leads to rage and more anger. This is bitterness being expressed. It's when bitterness boils over and comes out. It's no longer just inside you. This is where you kick the cat. This is where you get grumpy and, and cranky and, and unapproachable. This is where you begin to say things that you know you shouldn't say. Angry, hurtful things. And then rage leads to brawling. Now, not necessarily physical brawling, although that could be the case, but angry fights. This is where voices are raised, motives are impugned, and, and all that stuff that you did not leave in the past, that stuff that you carried with you day into week, into month, into year, gets tossed angrily back in the face of the one that you say you love more than anyone in the world. This is where an awful lot of damage can be done because you're in that souped-up sports car, and everyone's engine is running full throttle, and there's no brakes, and so everyone just keeps going, everything just keeps coming out, without stopping until there's a crash and real damage is done. But it's not just some sports car. It's people that we say we care about, people in our family, important people in relationships in our job, friends. And then if stubborn anger is not taking care of, it leads then to slander. This is where you're now speaking evil of people, impugning their character, questioning their motives, painting the other person as a villain in order to garner sympathy for yourself, slander. And finally, if left unchecked, stubborn anger will lead to malice. This is where the desire of the heart is to do harm. The desire of the heart is to see the other person in pain, to see the other person suffer. It wants to intentionally hurt someone. This is a really dark place to be. But the good news is this, if you're ever caught up in stubborn anger, you don't have to stay in this dark place. If you find yourself somewhere along this process of anger, bitterness, rage, brawling, slander, and malice, there's a way out. There's a way to get off of this dysfunctional and destructive cycle. It's found in the very next verse. Let's look at it. Verse 32. It says this, be kind 
and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Replace slander, rage brawling with kindness. Replace malice with compassion. Replace anger with forgiveness. Make up your mind that you are going to forgive people. Now someone says, but Pastor Paul, you have no idea what the person did to me was just so wrong. Well, of course it's wrong. If it wasn't wrong, you wouldn't be angry, right? Listen, forgiveness isn't about declaring what some, didn't, someone didn't do something wrong. Did you know that when you forgive someone, you are declaring that they did something wrong? That's what forgiveness is. Have you ever had someone come up to you out of the blue and say, well, I just want you to know I forgive you? And you're like, what? What are you talking about? Where do you get off forgiving me? You know, and it's sort of a passive-aggressive way of saying you, you did something wrong. And they're like, well, don't worry. I'm the bigger person. I forgive you, right? Uh, when you forgive someone, you are declaring that they did something wrong. And when Jesus forgives you, he's not saying you didn't do something wrong. It's a declaration that you did, but you are forgiven. Forgive. You say, well, how can I do that? It hurts so much. Well, it says right here in this verse, forgive as in Christ God forgave you. You forgive because God forgave you. You forgive because you don't want to offend God. You forgive because you don't want to offend and stifle the spirit of grace that is at work in your life. You forgive because you don't want to be that person that Jesus talked about in this parable who was forgiven that big, huge debt and then refused to forgive what others owed to him. Forgive just as God forgave you. God's desire is for you to conquer stubborn anger with kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. Now, if you've had some stubborn or sinful anger in your life, it may take some time to repair the damage. But eventually, stubborn and sinful anger will be conquered by kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. Destructive angers tie you up. But God wants to help you untie the knot of anger. Sanctified anger should be channeled. It must be channeled into redemptive action. Sudden anger must be controlled, controlled by the Holy Spirit using the fruit of self-control. Sinful anger is to be condemned. So condemn it now and receive the grace of God so that God doesn't have to condemn it later. And then stubborn anger is to be conquered by kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. And as you follow this path, you'll find that the power of anger begins to loosen. The knot begins to untie. You're less and less characterized by anger and bitterness and rage and brawling and slander and malice, and instead you become known as a person who is characterized by love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control, all of the fruit of the Spirit. Would you all just bow your heads with me right where you are? And I want to pray with you, and uh, here's what I want to ask as we pray. How many of you would make a commitment with me?